You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, buenos dias, Metro region, friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, and everybody who's joining us this morning. It's great to have you here with us this morning. Welcome to Metro Vision. Welcome to the Metro region of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. And friends, because we got friends all over the place tuning in. And uh, it's great to have you with us. It's great to be together this morning. We are continuing our uh, series on the parables and teachings of Jesus. And uh, this morning we got a really great parable. Uh, we're still in Matthew 25. We've been camping out in 23, 24, and 25. And I think it's been very apropos, uh, very spirit-led because this was not actually my plan. But things have come up and I ended up uh, with these with these parables. So this is the parable of the gold. And some of you probably remember it from the older translations, parable of the talents. Um, uh, this one's the parable of the bags of gold. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, upgraded in the language, but it's the same meaning because a talent was basically a weight. And, and you say, well, why does it mean something different now? Because everybody understood before that talents were the things that you have in, in the parable, the way the parable. So that parable actually changed the language and we'll say a 10 talent person or a five talent person. And we got that from, from this parable actually. So parable of the gold, let's jump on in. Uh, first of all, in case you don't know, uh, parables, uh, I, I just, I pull up a couple of definitions of parables because I think they're, they're kind of cool and help you understand what's going on. So there's stories that Jesus told with moral dimensions, right? So they're, they're not just cute little stories, but they have a powerful lesson embedded in them. Uh, another definition is physical stories that explain spiritual truths, right? They're, they're analogous. Everything means something to help us understand. And, and it's usually fairly obvious. Uh, you don't want to go too far, you know, well, the, you know, this means that and that means that. There's a general meaning there that's fairly easy to pull out. And then I love this last one, uh, this last definition I came across. A story with a surprise ending where you find out at the very end that you are the main character. Um, probably one of the best examples of that was the parable that Nathan told uh, David, you know, about the sheep and the guy who took the poor guy's last sheep and David was so outraged. And, and at the end of it, Nathan tells him, you're that guy. And then he's like totally convicted. And uh, what a great classic parable story that was. And Jesus told a lot of them. He used stories a lot. Of course, they are great teaching tools. We remember stories. Uh, listening to stories is very different than listening to a lecture. We remember stories. We don't remember lectures, uh, but we do remember stories. Oftentimes I'll ask somebody, do you remember what the sermon was last Sunday? They can't remember. And I said, do you remember this story? And they go, oh yeah, this story and that story. And they remember the stories. They remember the analogies and the jokes. Um, there's certain things that our brain just records much better and we retain much better. So Matthew 25, the gold, the parable of the gold. Let's, let's go ahead and jump on in. It says, verse 14 of chapter 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who 
with two bags of gold gained two more. And the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Okay, so, so we have, this is the classic story here, the parable, the intro of the parable. So the, 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 the master or the man, as it says in, at the beginning, um, entrusts his servants and he gives one five, one three, and one one bag of gold, right? And they each do something different. One puts that gold to work, gets five more. He doubles it, you know, and then the other one with the two bags, he doubled his. But the guy only had one. He, he just buried it and didn't do anything with it. So verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So he's, he, he settles accounts with them. Basically, literally, he's holding them accountable. What did you do with the talents I gave you or the gold I gave you? And, and the first one comes back. This is what I did. I took it, invested it. Boom. Here's double your money. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a classic line. It's the line we all want to hear at the end of our lives, right? We, want to, we all want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and, and the interesting thing, he says, you've been fruitful with a few things, faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. I mean, that's a precept. That's a classic line in leadership that if you want to do a lot, you've got to be faithful with a little. You've got to be able to handle a little before you can handle a lot. So we keep reading verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Even though this guy only made two bags, the other guy made five, but basically he did the same thing. He only started with two and he made two more. So he gets the same welcome. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been awesome with a little. I'm going to give you a lot more. And he says, and he says, then... And here's the key one. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Basically, he says, he's basically saying, I know that you're not a fair person. You're not a just person. He says, so I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And you get the feeling he's actually proud of himself that he didn't keep the gold or lose the gold or spend the gold. You get the feeling he thinks he's doing good because he hasn't lost anything. But then we see the master's response. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
You know, this is, this is really a scary parable. I mean, that's, that's a pretty intense ending. I mean, the guy that only had one bag, he loses that bag. It goes to the guy with the ten. And then, and then he gets thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he doesn't get, well done, good and faithful servant. He gets, you wicked, lazy servant. That's pretty intense. All because what? He played it safe and didn't do anything. That was the parable. So we always have to identify what are the characters of the parable? What do they mean? Well, the master, of course, is Jesus. The master is God. The, and, and, and of course, there's three people, right? One with five bags, one with three bags, one with one bag. They represent us. To each of us is given talents, abilities, opportunities, strengths, gifts, education, certain, amount, certain amounts of wealth, training, experience, opportunities. We get a lot of things from God. Those are our talents. Those are our bags of gold, the things we get. And so the gold are our resources, our money, our time, our talents, whatever resources we have. And everybody gets some. We don't all have the same. We never do. There's always going to be somebody with more than us and somebody with less than us, right? It's like that old saying, I once felt sorry for myself as, and complained about my shoes until I saw a man with no feet. You know, we, we, we all think, oh, I've got it rough and, you know, I didn't get this and I didn't get that until we see somebody who has it worse than us and we realize how blessed we are. It's always striking to me that, you know, when I was working with Hope Worldwide and I traveled to the poorest places on the planet in Africa and Asia and Latin America and in Europe and the Middle East, and I'd go to those places and I'd feel like, oh my goodness, I have too much stuff. I'm so rich. This is ridiculous how much we have. And I would really, I would really feel that heavily. And I would, you know, I would come back convicted and I would change some things. And, and then I go off to Costco or I'd go to Best Buy and it's the exact opposite. All of a sudden I feel like I need that and I need that and I need one of those and I need a bigger one of this and I need a big TV like that and this. And all of a sudden I feel like I don't have enough. And it's all perspective. It's all perspective. So the key points in this parable. God gives and respects and expects in return. No results were demanded, but results were expected. He never said, I expect you to do this. You notice that. He doesn't say, you need to do this. You need to double this. But, there, but absolutely it was expected. We are all expected to do something with what we have. Whatever that is, whether you have a lot or have a little, we are all expected to do something with it. And not the same is expected from everyone. We're all treated differently, in a good way, according to what we have. And God rewards those who try hard. So let's go to the first one. God gives and expects in return. So in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, now he who supplies the seed for the sower to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He gives us kind of an inside scoop of what God does and how God thinks about things. He says that God has been generous with us and we're enriched and we're blessed and we're given a lot 
so that we can be generous on every occasion with everyone else. So we receive a lot so that we can give a lot. That's why we have a lot. And God expects us to share the things. And he gives different amounts to different people. The more we have, the more we're expected to share. The less we have, no, we don't get off the hook that we don't have to share. We still need to share. We share what we have. God is righteous. He doesn't, you know, the guy with the tent with 10 items is supposed to share his 10 items. The guy with one item is supposed to share his one item that he's not expected to share 10 items. He only has one. He can only share a little bit, but what he can share, he is expected to share, but it really shows us how this works. We're not blessed so that we can be selfish. We're not blessed so that we can live in the lap of luxury and, and, and be all about ourselves and be self-centered. We're blessed so that we can bless others. And we have lots of blessings. I mean, you think about the, the clothes, the food, the, 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 all the material goods, appliances and cars and beds and blankets and lamps and electricity and gas. And I mean, we have so much. We're, we're, I mean, our big problem is we have too much stuff. I mean, we have just, we just tend to gather too much stuff. Oh my gosh, the last move we moved here to Long Beach. And a lot of you guys came around. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it did represent several households, grandma's stuff, our daughter's stuff, our son's stuff, and our stuff. But it was just like, it was, it was shocking to us that, that we had collected so much. Cause we've, we've moved country to country. We've moved with suitcases and, and we know what it is to not have. You know, and, and, and I remember I used to get up every morning in Mexico City and I'd go up, I'd go up on the roof and I'd get the pump going so that it would pump some water into the water tank. And if we had gas, I would light it up so we, so that all of us could take hot showers and, 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 and then we would take showers and our shower was this bathroom that was completely tiled. And with a toilet in the corner, it had a hole in the roof and a, and a, a light bulb that on an electrical cord that hang. And right next to it was a pipe with a shower head. And we remember always, we always say, make sure you turn off the lights before you take a shower. Cause you don't want to be touching the light bulb when, when you're taking a shower. But we would consider it a blessed day if we had gas, electricity, and water at the same time. And what, wow, that was like, whoa, this is a great day. We're going to all be able to take showers and, 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 and be able to cook food and everything. I don't even think about that anymore. I just assume it's all working. But God gives us a lot so that we can help others who don't. Second key point. No results were demanded, but results were expected. At nowhere did they sign a contract. Nowhere did it say you have to do this. But it was expected. It is the nature of things. It's what we ought to do automatically. We shouldn't have to be told and we certainly shouldn't have to be pushed into this. In Luke 12, 48 says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. It's just, it's the way of things. As long as we understand why and how this all works, that the more we have, the more we ought to bless. God is not anti-wealthy. I mean, some people think falsely. They think, they think that, you know, if you're rich, how can you be a Christian and be rich? God blessed his people all the time. I mean, look at Abraham's life and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. All those guys were wealthy. All those guys were made wealthy by God. 
So it's not that God is anti-wealth. It's not that, you know, oh man, you're, you know, what in the world? You shouldn't be having all that stuff. That's, that's not, that's not the problem. The problem is when we don't share. The problem is when it all becomes about us. When we won't give from what we've received. That's the problem. That's really important to understand that. That he gives us much and he expects much. And that's right. That is good and right and fair and just. Third point. We're all expected to do something with what we have. God gives us something and it's not just sharing it. But it's also doing something with it. What we do. In Romans 12, 3 through 8, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of us. Stop there for a second. It's important. What is sober judgment? Sober judgment is knowing the truth. Okay, you know what happens easily to us? Is we start getting stuff. We get stuff. We get stuff. We get stuff. And we actually start to think that we deserve stuff. And we deserve more. And we start looking at the world as I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. Instead of I'm here to serve and to give and to love and to share. We slowly, quietly become self-centered and selfish. Both of those. Self-centered is seeing everything from our own perspective and not anyone else's. And selfish is we just don't want to give anymore. We, we just want to keep everything. And we, in fact, we want more stuff. And we get all focused on stuff instead of what's really important, which is our relationships and serving others. So we continue, verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many parts, no, let me back up actually. In accordance with the faith that God distributed each of you. Yeah, verse 4. For t- just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. It's not ourselves. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what makes me happy. It's not about how I think the church should be. It's not about which songs I think we should sing. It's not about who I think should be sharing. It's not about who I think should be leading. It's about God. And it's about serving and loving. He says, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So whatever gifts we have, and we all have those gifts. I've talked a lot about this in the past. We all have superpowers. What are your superpowers? We all have things that God has given us that we can actually make something happen with. We can encourage people, we can serve people, we can teach people, we can lead, we can just, all of us have many, many gifts, and each one of us has multiple gifts, and we all have different gifts. And if everybody's using their gifts, then the body is whole, complete, and doing great. But what happens when parts of the body aren't giving? We got trouble. What happens when leaders 
when there's leaders who won't lead, when there's members who won't serve, when there's forgiven who won't forgive, when there's teachers who won't teach, when the rich when there's rich people who won't sacrifice, everything gets right side down. Everything gets wrong side up. We get this weird idea. Here's the classic phrase that shows it. The phrase is, the church is not meeting my needs. Wait a second. When was the church supposed to meet our needs? The Son of Man did not come to meet, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is what's messed up. This is what bad religion is. Bad religion is when churches are trying to be like the YMCA. They're trying to be the community center that serves everybody in their community and does everything for them. And then people go to church with that expectation. I'm not saying the church shouldn't serve. The church should serve the community. But where it goes wrong is when people come with that expectation. You're supposed to serve me. And I'll come here if it serves me well. And you can see it. I mean, I get these flyers in the mail. The church will do this for you. The church will do that for you. Take care of your kids. Teach them how to swim. Do this, do that. I mean, literally the church is competing with the YMCA. And people get this. It's called consumer Christianity. Where it's all about what meets my needs. We don't go to church to be served. We go to church to serve. If the Son of Man came to serve and sacrifice himself, are we better than him? Should we not have the same heart and attitude as him? John 15, he said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That's a branch that doesn't give. A branch that produces nothing. A branch that does nothing with the water and the nutrients and the soil and the minerals that it's receiving. It just keeps it to itself. He says, while every branch that does not, that does bear fruit, he prunes. Okay, that's, you know, discipline and hardship and challenge so that it will be even more fruitful so that we can be very fruitful. He says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I were in you, you will bear much fruit. It's not, it's not difficult. It's not, it's not like, oh, so now God wants us to produce a lot. No, it's that it will just happen. If you're connected to Jesus and you're following Jesus, that means you're loving people, you're serving people, you're out there helping others, you're going to bear fruit. Fruits of the Spirit, fruits of the ministry, helping other people become Christians, fruits of, of discipleship, helping people get to heaven that are Christians. You will bear much fruit. Apart from you, you can do nothing. You cannot be effective or fruitful without Jesus. You can't do anything. We can't be spiritual without the Spirit. We can't be Christ-like without Jesus. We have to be well-connected. That's what our whole fall campaign is, being connected to God and each other. He says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is another one of those scary scriptures. What's he saying? 
We should all be giving. We should all be taking all that God is giving us, rejoicing in it, enjoying it, enjoy your blessings, and help others, serve others. Don't be a leader who won't lead. Don't be somebody who won't serve. There are people that are hiding their talents. They've buried that talent. We have Bible talks that are huge. Why? Because nobody will lead. It's selfish and it's self-centered. Rather than getting out there, rolling up sleeves and helping out, they leave everything on one couple who gets overloaded. It's not supposed to be like that. You know the 20-80 principle, 20% of people do 80% of the work? That's not the way the body of Christ is supposed to operate. Every part does its part. Everybody uses their talents and gifts. He says, whoever does not have even what they have, this is out of the parable. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken away from them. You don't use your gifts, you're going to lose them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The worthless servant is the one who did nothing with what they've been given. They have leadership ability, but they won't lead. They have gifts and skills that could help the kingdom of God, that could build up the church, that could make the church beautiful and glorious, but they're sitting on them and doing nothing. And they think they're fine, just like the guy with the one bag of gold. Well, I'm just sitting on mine. And I get it. There are times that we serve, 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 give, 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 and we need a break. Amen. Everybody needs a break. We need a break once a week. That's called the Sabbath. We need a break every once in a while to just take a vacation. And sometimes we even need to take a season off. Maybe take a fall off out of leadership or out of doing something for the church and take some time. Because the truth is, there are too few people that do too much and then get burned out. Because... Nobody's helping because others are sitting on their bag of gold. He said, and and understand clearly, because God is fair and just. What is a worthless servant? It's not the one who tried and failed. Okay, that's not what a worthless servant is. A worthless servant is the one who's not even trying. He's not trying. A servant, a good servant, is trying. Whatever comes, comes. God didn't say, you better produce this much or else. God just wants us to be fruitful, to do something with his blessings. We are incredibly blessed with Bible teaching, Bible preaching, with people showing us and helping us to be our best. Let me tell you, I travel around the world and I see all these churches, little churches all over the world, where church leaders know about us, know less of the Bible and less about being a Christian than our average member does. But they're trying hard and God's blessing them. Not because they know a lot, but because they're doing everything they can with whatever they've been given. And God blesses them. In Matthew 25, this next key point, not the same from everyone. God is not the same with everybody. Uh, Here's a question that most people are scared to ask, but a lot of times we have it. Is God fair? I mean, 
How come he only gave that guy one bag of gold and the other guy three bags and the other guy five? Why did he get five and he only got one? And why did he say, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That may not sound fair, in fact, first time I heard that, it's exactly what I thought. First time I read that scripture. Of course, I didn't read it in the parable because Jesus says it other times. I read it as a lone statement. I thought, wait, that doesn't sound fair. The guy only has a little and he, gets, and he loses his little and the guy who has a lot gets even more. The issue isn't how much you have. It never is. The issue is never how talented are you. The issue is never how rich are you, how educated you are how good of a speaker you are, or, or how good looking you are. Those are never the issues. God didn't care about any of those things. And he gives to each of us some gifts. Some of us have more money than others. Some of us have more talents. Some of us are more athletic. Some of us are smarter, more educated. Some of us are better looking, and then the rest of us. But that's not what matters. It's that we're trying to give with whatever we've got. Our education our talents, our leadership ability, our ability to just serve, our encouragement ability. Whatever we've got, we're using it for God. We're building up his kingdom. We're building up the church. We're building up our Bible talk. We're making our Bible talk awesome. We're taking our ministry and making it fantastic. We're not just sitting on our bag of gold. Is God fair? Well, you could say no, because he's actually better than fair. Expectations are according to the gifts. Therefore, we don't have to, and we should not compare ourselves to each other. This is a huge mistake we make. And this is a mistake that's happened a lot in the past. Well, everybody should be able to do this. No, not everybody should be able to do that. Everybody should be able to do something. But some of us are going to be a lot better at some things than others. And some of us are going to be able to do a lot more than others. And that's okay. All of us just need to try hard. All of us just need to do our best. And wherever we fall or fail or don't reach the mark, God's grace will cover us. We don't need to live under pressure of, oh, I got to do this much and I got to produce that much and I better do, you know, do this and do that. And, and No, just do your best. Do your best. Try hard. Work hard for the Lord. Sacrifice for him. Do what you can for God. In Psalm 103, 9, he says, He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. No, God's not fair. He treats us much better than fair. He is gracious. He is kind. He is patient. He gives us much more than we deserve. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. And he gives us more than we deserve. So the last key point. God rewards those who try hard. He just does. God loves rewarding his people. He said to him, so take the bag of gold from him. And give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. 
Here's the thing is, it's not what you have. Remember uh, Gideon, the angel of the Lord said, go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. We're always like, I don't, I'm not that strong and I don't have that much talent and I don't know what I can do. And da, da, da. Ask somebody. Ask three people. There's my homework for you. What do you think I can give more of? Or what talents do you think I have that I can help the church with? That I can build up the kingdom of God with? That I can serve my Lord with? That I can encourage my brothers and sisters with? Ask. Know what they are. And here's the amazing thing. And I've seen it again and again and again. That sometimes brothers that come in with three talents... And they're working hard. They're serving. They're sacrificing. They're giving. Next thing you know, they're five talent guys. God just blesses them. He blesses them. You know, there's studies that prove that people who become Christians and live a Christian life actually make more money than their non-Christian counterparts. God just blesses them. People heal better than those that are not praying and not involved in church. God just blesses them. My life is a testimony of what happens if you just turn yourself into God and do things his way. And any time that I've suffered or, or things didn't go well, I guarantee you it's because something I didn't do that I should have done for the Lord. Because something I ignored or something I delayed repenting of or something I delayed putting into action. And you know, we've been getting a lot of very pointed sermons We should be changing a lot, all of us. And we shouldn't be asking, what's the church going to do for me? We should be asking, what can I do for the church? How can I serve? How can I give? Too many people are lonely. Too many leaders are worn out because they're carrying too many people's burdens. So more of us need to step up and do our part. And whoever you are, wherever you are, in whatever city you're in, it's not God has this expectation. He just wants you to do your best. And that's enough. And God will bless that. Go in the strength you have. The angel told Gideon, am I not sending you? It's God who sends us. It's God who gave us these gifts. And it's God who's watching And it's God to whom we will give an account. Okay, Robert, what did you do with all that education, Bible education I gave you? Okay, Robert, what did you do with all that money? What did you do with all the talents I gave you? What did you do with the people I surrounded you with? What did you do with the fact that I gave you a great wife and fantastic kids? What did you do with that I gave you friends like the Webbers, like the the Kia Inas? What did you do with that? What did you do with the fact that I made you part of a church where there's tons of great teachings and there's Bible lessons readily available? What did you do with the fact that I put you in a time and a place where you could listen to podcasts all day long and be a Bible expert, where you could pray? What did you do with the time I gave you? What did you do with the funds I gave you? And not that, not that this needs to be overwhelming. It just needs to be like, wow, I'm so blessed. What? What can I do to make a difference, to help somebody? And if you don't know, don't know, ask the people around you. God bless you.
What we're out to do is we're going to be a church. We're going to stop bad religion. There's too much of that out there. We're going to be a church of servants who serve wholeheartedly. Disciples who follow zealously. Who give sacrificially. Who love everybody without limits. Who are 100% committed to God. Not 99%. Not 98. 100% committed to God. And to each other. Which is the harder part. We're going to be the true church. We're going to be God's gold. LA metro region. That's who we are. And whoever you are, wherever you're sitting, be what God has called you to be. Let's stop bad religion and let's show the world the gold. The gold. God's gold. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 